podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the Scarlet Supporters Podcast. You can contact us on all the usual social media platforms or you can email us on scarletspems at gmail.com. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Scarlet Supporters Podcast, or as it will soon be known, Scarlet's Fever. We are in the midst of moving it over and and renaming it. Uh, so yeah, so normally I'd introduce Martin. Martin is away babysitting this evening, uh, first week of school, kids throwing up, uh, shoes not tidy, uniform missing, usual sort of thing. Uh, so Martin's not with us tonight, but he might join us later. Uh, so it's just me and Hugh. So evening, Hugh. How are you? Good evening, Lee. I'm very well. I'm glad that I don't have any kids who are at school, and I'm happy to be here talking about rugby <laughs> instead. Uh, well, so I, my youngest daughter, so my two of her eldest are away in university, or about to be away in university, and my youngest daughter is of an age now where the skirt that she wears when she leaves the house in the morning is touching her knees. And by the time she comes home in the evening, that skirt is, well, it's an extended belt. So we've had quite a few conversations already uh, around that and the uh, appropriateness of wearing these bloody gym shorts and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't have girls. Don't don't have girls. If if you've got girls, send them away to school or something. Because it oh the, the amount of headaches and arguments that girls cause just unbelievable, mate. Unbelievable. But and there are certain people out there that will be you know then they'll be sitting there and be going like oh yeah yeah you let me tell me about mine yeah it's, uh, <laughs> I can guarantee it. So so anyway, how's your week gone, my friend? My week's been good. Uh, I've been loving the World Cup. I've watched every single game. I've got all these part-timers telling me that they've missed ones. They didn't fancy watching Japan versus Chile or Italy versus Namibia. I'm like, they're the best ones. Yeah. They're like the little, you know, it's like they're like in a packet of chips and you get all the little shriveled ones at the bottom. They're like them. Um, yeah, so I've been loving the World Cup. I've had, although I did have a bit of an incident watching the um, Wales game. I, I might mention this last week. I'm not a good watcher. I get very, very tense. And mm. as we'll come to talk about, Wales versus Fiji games are the tensest of games. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was watching it on my own in the living room. And towards the end of the game, uh, my girlfriend comes downstairs to come and sit with me to watch the last 10 minutes. Uh, and I explained to her that I was in no condition to be sat next to or spoken to. <laughs> And um, yeah, put it at the after the game finished, I had to go upstairs and apologise <laughs> and, and promise that <laughs> and, and promise that I would I would be less mean and uh, touchy next time they play, mm. which I is fair. I shouldn't be so tense that I can't be in the same room as another human being um, during whilst Wales are playing. But unfortunately, it just happens. So yeah. You know. I, I totally get that, mate. I'm a, I'm exactly the same. And my wife will go, you do realise that they can't hear you the other end. 
you know, just shouting at the telly and, and telling them that they've got a three-man overlap. They can't hear you. You're you're here. They're in France. But you do not see the overlap. And I, uh, yeah. So then she did. So what mine decided to do, <laughs> seriously, with 20 minutes to go, she said, oh, how long left? So I was just about 20 minutes. No, we're at that 20 minutes. So we were still comfortably in the lead, but then they just come back and they scored one. So it was like a last, oh, this is getting near me now. <laughs> All right, I'll just see what's on. And she put the TV guide on to see what was on later. <laughs> like, wow, whoa, what's going on? <laughs> it was an... And she does it to wind me up. And she's like, oh, oh, did, did you want to watch the rugby? Yes, I wanted to watch a in rugby woman. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, it was good fun. So so I actually preferred the Chile games. I, I you can you can watch the, the Chile, who is it? Chile and Japan, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Japan, yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed watching that game because you you got nothing invested in it doesn't matter who wins and you can just watch it and enjoy the rugby can't you you can just you know this mm. is easy this is easy watch so saturday i had to take my first my eldest son my first son back to university so i almost i, I kind of got most of the island game in between my phone and various televisions around the halls of the university and all that kind of stuff and then we had to go shopping, right? So this is in Swansea. He's in Swansea. We're driving down from the the, the like Swansea station, that main road down to to Swansea Marina, right? And without a word of a lie, there was a guy who's, who was walking in the road, not on the pavement. There was a perfectly good pavement there, so he was walking like along the outside of the cars, yeah. And this is a good. It was two miles from from the marina, and and you can't like sunbathe or swim in the marina. So he's a good four or five miles away from the beach. So there's a guy who's about I don't know, must be sixty, wearing right. nothing but Crocs and a set of speedos and some sunglasses, walking up Swansea Main Street. Happy as Larry, whopping great big smile on his face, giving it the hey, look at me. And I'm like, <laughs> and you know, when you're driving down, like the, the, the wife was driving, I'm still not allowed to drive. So <laughs> and there was there was no traffic or anything, but she stopped. <laughs> and and we're both <laughs> looking at this guy walking past, and he's kind of like, hey, hi. <laughs> and we just kind of looked at each other and went, Okay, yeah, drive on. And it was like, did that really happen? <laughs> did, did this... Whatever meds he's on, let's let's all get some. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I was thinking. I was like, how? And there's a little bit of me kind of going, you know, when I get to his age, which is worryingly close every now and again. <laughs> but you know, would I have the confidence to walk down? Swan, I don't think I'd have the confidence to walk down fully clothed wearing Crocs. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Let alone just Crocs and Speedos and nothing else. So, yeah, yeah. it kind of distracted me from the rugby for a few brief minutes. Two seconds. But it was one of those, uh, what the hell is that? So, yeah, yeah so that, 
that was my high point of the week. <laughs> that was the high point. <laughs> but yeah, so so what did you make of what have you made of it so far? What have you made of the World Cup so far, mate? The matches, at, well, it was kind of a weekend of two hours, but one of the hours was in the middle. So obviously Friday night was really good. Really enjoyed that game. It was the big occasion and it really delivered. Um, uh, and yeah, it, it was just, it was the opener I think we were all hoping for. Uh, the Saturday games I thought were all pretty disappointing. Um, I thought Italy and Namibia was okay. Uh, I enjoyed it well enough. Obviously, I think Ireland versus Romania was just a shame. Yeah, it's not nice to see any team at a World Cup take 80 points. It shouldn't be happening, really. Um, it was a mismatch of teams. Obviously, Ireland put out their first choice, and Romania, bless them, are not going through a great spot at the moment in terms of their team selection and the, what's going on with their coaches and things. Um, and then Australia versus Georgia. I thought Georgia will be gutted because I thought that they didn't make Australia work for the win, and I thought Georgia mm-hmm. um, just kind of... They had all the ingredients, they had all the right ideas, they, they knew what they wanted to do, and they just messed it up. So I think if they that game was played again next week, I think it, it might be very close to a different result. I just think Georgia just let the occasion get to them, and they had some brain farts and things. And then obviously there was England versus Argentina, which was nigh on unwatchable for more than one reason <laughs> so it wasn't good rugby but I don't know mate so I've had my say on another podcast about ITV mm-hmm. come on mate give me, your, <laughs> give, me your, give me both barrels for your thoughts on ITV well, I'm, as I'm in looking the, forward to hearing this the coverage and the commentary and all of that kind of stuff just, um, just the package the package uh, crap I, I just, I can't get on with it. And it's, I, I quite like Flatman. I quite like David Flatman. He, he comes across as very well when he's being interviewed. Um, just, I don't know, he comes across as, it, it's all too scripted. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it's not like sitting there having a chat to your mates. And the people he's interviewing, the people that are on, are pretty much, you know, he knows them. He's played against them. He's played with some of them and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, and yeah, and he, it just doesn't come across natural. And then the stuff around the stadium, I don't know, the sound in the stadium doesn't quite work. And the commentary team just, I, I, I watch it on mute. I do, I watch, I watch the England game on mute. And I was trying to find it on radio. I think it's on sport radio now. I, I didn't find that out until after. So, yeah, it was. It's just I don't know. It's disappointing, and but this goes back, right? This goes back way, way back. I remember watching ITV when it must have been the '91 World Cup, yeah, which was in England, yeah. and they had a, a a guy called Steve Smith commentating. He was a uh, English scrummer, and England were playing Italy. And Italy were killing the ball. Every rock killing the ball. And and Steve Smith was up in arms. And the rest of the commentary, oh, you can't do that. You know, you're killing the game. These are exactly the sorts of things that are destroying the game and blah, 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 blah. And then England score try from the kickoff. Italy break up right up the middle under the England posts. And it was the open side flanker 
can't remember who, it might have been Robinson at the time, dives on the ball, offside position, now it'd be yellow card, it'd be penalty try, he'd be, he'd be gone. Yeah, but back then, dives on the ball, kills the ball and just sits there like that and nobody's having this ball. Penalty Italy. And Steve Smith back then went, that's an excellent decision there. He did what he had to do. He killed the ball, he stopped Italy and you know he's only given away three points, not the try. And I remember being livid about it then, you know, the hypocrisy of the commentators and stuff like that. And we haven't progressed past that. Um, I, I, I listened to the first kind of five or ten minutes and I was... England were poor. England were really, really poor. They, they I haven't seen the stats about how many passes they actually put together or how many passes went you know, how many sets of two passes, how many sets of three passes. And Argentina made them look good. So for yeah. me, you know, the the way the commentary team was, like I say, after after the, the red card and all of that kind of stuff, and then I just, oh, I'd had enough. By about five, ten minutes, I'd had enough. So I, I put it on mute. I was commentating in my head then. That was much more fun. Yeah. Because I didn't yeah. know what I didn't know half the names. Is the big guy with the beard patting to the Baldy, the short yeah. Pat Baldy, and Baldy's having a run. So <laughs> it was much more fun doing it my way. But so so, yeah. what do you make of of everything so far? Then that the commentary, the present presentation from uh, ITV. Well, there, there are there are there are people on ITV who I do like. Obviously, like Jamie Roberts, um, Sam Warburton, Philippa Tutiet, um I think are all probably the best Welsh pundits they could have gotten. Um, and obviously they're all pretty in touch with the game. Obviously Jamie and Sam have played at the highest level and they know Gatlin's and they, it come, really comes across how intelligent that Welsh team must have been. The one that was winning all those grand slams. Mm. When you add into that, the likes of Gethin Jenkins and um, John Fox as well. And, and players like that, how just how well-spoken they are. And uh, Alan Wynn, who has been doing very well over on Irish TV, Mm. Um, at the same time, um, but uh, apart from that, I mean, you got the you got the two thousand and three crew. You got um, you got Lawrence Delalio has managed to drag himself out of the local establishment to come and be on TV for a bit. <laughs> uh, you've got uh, Johnny Wilkinson, who doesn't clearly, very clearly, doesn't watch rugby. <laughs> and, like he he has clearly retired from rugby and gone. That'll do for me, and mm. only watches games that he is actually there commentating on. And then you've got the man himself, Cliff Woodward. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, just, just, yeah, a, a long way past being able to contribute to a rugby broadcast. It's just not not good enough. It's just lazy. Is the words that I used. It, mm. I think they got they bid for the rights to host the tournament, broadcast the tournament. They got the rights for it. Um, they booked the studio. They rang up the pundits that they always get on. You're free on these days, yeah? And they went, okay, job done. See you on the day of the recording. And that's the sum amount of the preparation and planning that they put into it. But it was the same for the um, football World Cup as well. I mean, because they obviously share their rights with that, mm. with the BBC. And everyone is like, God, oh, BBC broadcast is so much better than the ITV broadcast. Mm. But the uh, the fun with uh, some of the English people uh, didn't end just on ITV, though, did it, Lee? There's mm. been one or two on Twitter. <laughs> There's this whole Wales are the bad guys thing been mm. going around. Like, no, 
you're the bad guys and you always will be the bad guys. <laughs> but there's some English fans just feel so aggrieved that Wales won. I don't yeah. get it. And for me, I, I, I can understand being frustrated with it. Uh, but as an as, like as an English fan, I can't understand why you'd get. If I was an English fan, I'd, I'd be a little bit annoyed, maybe at the ref and maybe at Fiji because Fiji had opportunity. Fiji had five opportunities to run an overlap and and score, and they pretty much screwed up the pass every single time. One of them was literally four on one, and they threw the ball to the the middle of the four. And all four of them, well, well, after you, you, you catch the ball up and then <laughs> and they knock the ball on, you know. So yeah. it, I, I'd be frustrated at, uh, at Fiji that they still they still should have won that game. Even though, It's a bit like, you know, as a Welsh fan, we focus on the semi-final where Warburton tip-tackled and got yellow-carded. We we still had opportunities to win that game after. You know, there were three yeah. clear overlaps that we ballsed up in that game that we should have scored. And Fiji are the same in this game. Um so as an England fan, I don't understand why why they're having a go at Wales. And yeah, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm I'm loving it because I, I I'm on Twitter and I'm bored and I'm going, right, let's let's see who wants winding up now. And uh, top of the tree at the minute is Nick Mills. And he's he's telling everyone that he can't be anti-Welsh because he's got Welsh family. So why are you saying all Everyone's this Everyone's got Welsh family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I go and I tell you what, if I was him, I wouldn't want to be coming to visit his Welsh family uh, next time he's down somewhere around Swansea. Uh, that is. But you know, the guy's talking out of his ass about you know why 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 did Fiji get a yellow card so quick? Because the Welsh ruck was heading straight to the line, there was one defender, there were six attackers, and the Fiji open side came in around the side, dragged the ball down, and held on to the ball. So if he doesn't do that, it's a definite try. Penalties at the other end, you know, there were four scrum penalties. So yeah, I can get, I can understand why that might have been an issue for him. But, but if you look all through the game, feet are slipping. You know, so the yeah. referee knows feet that, are slipping. That's on Fiji as well. For they were they weren't in the last ten minutes. They weren't just playing Wales. They were playing the clock. They needed three scores in ten minutes, mm. and yet they kept, just kept going for scrums. And I was messaging people during the game. I was like, a couple of reset scrums works for us here because yeah. if it takes them five minutes to score a try off the scrum, that suits us because then they're running out of time. So that 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 is kind of on Fiji a bit as well. So we we've kind of strayed into talking about the game. <laughs> I think what what you what you said about in, Fiji should have could have won it, but at at the same time Wales never should have been lost should have lost it mm-hmm. because we were three scores ahead with ten minutes to go. Yeah, and it, this has become such a feature of this era of Wales of ever since the Grand Slam decider that we lost over in France where we were multiple scores ahead and then we get like two, three yellow cards and we chuck it away. And then we did it again down in South Africa where we were on and we got three yellow cards and chucked it away. Or um, what was the other one against Australia last year where we were three yeah. scores up 
20, 20 points up with 20 minutes to go and lost. Yeah. It shouldn't be happening. And mm. you can see, you can see Gatland in his eyes. He's like, how is this happening? How, how are these players doing this? He just, you can see he doesn't understand how the players are allowing this to happen. Mm. But for me, it, uh, last team announced and it kind of came true. Um, the starting 15, I'm fine with it's, it's the bench with Wales that I'm a bit worried these days. The players are good, good enough and talent wise, but they just don't have the experience and they don't, they don't know how to win. You know, winning's mm-hmm. a habit. And in the URC, these guys are losing every game they play. And I think just that they don't mm-hmm. know how to see a game out. They're not used to playing big games. It'll come. Um, It'll come. Yeah. But it just means that we're going to have a few heart attacks between now and then. Well, we used to have a, a, a thing that we call turning the screw. Yeah, which is yeah. When, when you get to that bit where you're more than two scores ahead and you're 10, 15 minutes from the end, you change the way you play the game. Yeah, so you, you can throw the ball about up until then. You can, you can do what you need to do to get two, three scores ahead. But you get to that last kind of 10 minutes... And you have to go, right, okay, we're going to kill the game now. We're going to slow things up. We're going to slow lineouts up. Elliot D tried that and got penalised. But, you know, we're going to slow the scrums. We're going to kick. We're going to just constantly ruck, ruck, ruck. We're not going to let them get anywhere near the ball. We're going to get them frustrated, get them offside, lovely, jubbly, hoof it, line out, right, Tight rock, tight rock, tight rock, tight rock. And we don't seem to have that minute. We, we were still playing that last 10 minutes as if we were chasing the game. Do you know what I mean? We, we, we were still trying to go and score tries. Got the bonus point. We got the win. Scoring another try isn't going to do us any good. You know? So kill the game. And I don't think we know how to do that. I, I don't think it's in the mentality of the players to go and kill the game because we like playing. We 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 like running at people. We like throwing the ball around. We like, uh, you know, we like playing the game the way it's meant to be. But this is a World Cup, and you know, you you've got to get to that bit where you go right, okay, kill it, kill it now. Put the ball over them. Put the ball up in the air. Put the ball back in there. Twenty-two force them to kick. You have to change that, that tactic. And we don't, and I, I don't know if it's not coached. I don't know if it's not something that we do anymore. I always found it really, really effective because you, you just hear the call, you know, you hear, right, turn the screw, turn the screw. And in your head, you're going, you know, I'm just going to tighten up the board. I'm not going to make this really, really locked in. And, and you know then, as a forward, you don't need to be out in the middle of the backs. You can come in tighter because, actually, that ball is going it's going nowhere. You know, we're going to go four, five, six rucks. And then, worst case scenario, it's over the top. You know? So, yeah, it's really disappointing to, to see them not do that. But the, the bit that I found disappointing was there were three clear opportunities for Wales to put the ball over the line, you know. Um, and some the the one just before half time where bigger start shouting at uh, uh, George North wasn't George North's fault. So Sanjay goes to kick, screws up the kick, ball comes back to him, and as he looks to his right, you know, we've got a four on two overlap. 
Yeah, if you add bigger, so bigger is standing behind Sanjay. If you add bigger, that's a five on two overlap. Now, no matter where you are on the pitch, a five on two overlap you're going to take. And the issue is, is that the, the pass comes out and the pass of Thomas Williams to Tompkins is behind him. So he stops and he has to turn around, get the ball and go forward. He gets dicked. Everyone's in front penalty. And, you know, so I get why Bigger was angry, but that's a four on two, five on two. A, a, a decent side runs that in and we score the try. Yeah. And there was an instant in the second half where, again, we had a four on one. We had uh, Maya Klaivu, their, oh, uh, their 13 defence. We had a winger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one to one, you've got Zamet and their winger. And then Maya Klaivu defending three players inside him. Not a single one of those players committed him. Yeah. We went bang, 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 bang. It went out to, to Zamet. I think it was Zamet. It might, might, have, been, um, might have been Dyer, actually. But uh, whatever comes out to the wing, the wing gets stopped because their wing is just defending one on one, and their thirteen has actually just run down a four on one or a four on two on his own. He's not even committed. He's, he doesn't even need to commit to the ruck, you know. And if 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 we're gonna progress as a as a nation as a as a rugby team. That inside player just needs to take him, give and take. The stuff we teach at under sevens, under eights, under nine, commit, give. You've then got two players, two of the fastest players on the pitch, with nobody in front of them and 50 metres to go. That, that ball's going in. So, yeah, and from a rugby point of view, there were disappointing bits in there where we could have actually kicked on and done more. Um but having said that, I thought that the, the tackling was just immense. You know, what, what, what did you make of, of Welsh defence? Uh, yeah, I'd like us to not have me on camped on our own try line with five minutes to go in a match. That would be nice. Um, obviously, they were very they weren't taking any risks because of the, all the warnings and things. Um, and they were very terrified of picking up. I mean, if we'd have gone down to 13, it would have been a good night. Um, so yeah, so, but I thought, you know, it, it, it was a great effort and it's, it's that we're becoming a Gatland team again. Um, and, uh, obviously it was the world record for most, uh, tackles in a, uh, rugby match. Mm. Um, so to let the listeners in on a, on the, some of the behind the scenes pre-production. So Lee asked me to look up some of the stats comparing <laughs> this game to when Fiji beat England. A couple of weeks ago, um, and I think the one that stood out to me was Fiji's big thing, and it, that the thing that they're good at compared to all rugby teams, not just Wales, is post contact meters. They've got this um, tactic where someone big hits it up, and then a second guy comes in, latches, and drives forwards. So the tackle's made, the guy's strong enough to stay on his feet, and they make like double figure um, meters from a carry, which is super rare um, when there's been contact. So against England, Fiji were averaging about, uh, I want to say, 3.1 metres um, per uh, carry against England. Against Wales, it was 2.8. So we stopped Fiji a lot more effectively than England did. Um, that, for me, that was kind of the difference. 
And it's kind of not what you kind of expect from us because you think England's a big team and Wales is a small team, but I think we were more effective. I think Will Rowlands is one of the most underrated players in the world, but not just Wales. I think he, he was phenomenal. He obviously made 27 tackles. He also got four turnovers. Mm. Um, you can't replace that that kind of an effort. It, it's mad that it took him so long to get noticed by Wales. And also he was available, qualified for England as well the whole time as well. And they, they didn't pick him up. And now look who their options are in second row are. Mm. Um, so, yeah, um, th- those were kind of the big takeaways for me uh, from our defence was just the ability to stop Fiji when we needed to. Um, uh, and challenge them um, at the breakdown and things. Um, we don't get, we don't. I know I said just then that Roland got four, but I'd like to see Jack Morgan getting a few more jackals in. Mm. Um, I know he can do it. We've seen him do it. It's not a question of whether he can or can't do it. I just like to see him do it a bit more in the Wales shirt. But I will say just about him as well. He's going to be Wales captain for a long time. Um, ever since he's gotten that armband game against England, and now this game against Fiji. He has stood up and gone, I'm going to do this on my own at times and fair play to him. So, yeah, so long, long may it continue. Mm-hmm. So was there a difference in the offloads then against England? Because this is where I I felt Wales had, had really worked on in defence and you can see it where <clears throat> we're double tackling, one of them's going low and whoever's coming in up high is is locking the ball, you know, mm. and and that's why some of the stuff around the high tackles and this that and the other, actually, when you look at them, it's not they they're locking the ball. It is yeah. a, a high tackle. It's a it's a ball lock. So uh, that's where you know traditionally Fiji have just got arms that are half the length of the pitch and just basketball yeah. throws here, there and everywhere. Was there a mad, did we manage to stop their offloads as much as I thought we did? So it, so in this game, I think uh, Fiji got nine offloads versus Wales. They got seven versus England, but there's context to that. First thing I'd say is that offload is a bit of a subjective one. Like you'll, you'll, get different stats providers will classify an offload as slightly different things. Um, you know, if you're like, if someone's down on the floor and chucks up in the air, some people will count that as an offload, some not. So that's one thing. Second thing is in the England versus Fiji game, it was raining. So they would have attempted few offloads. And then the final thing I'd say is that uh, versus Wales, Fiji had much, much more possession than they did against England. So it was, uh, I'll tell you now, it was... Uh, it was 58% possession to Fiji uh, against Wales um, and it was only 45% possession against England so actually when you throw those bits of context in um, the situation for Fiji to generate more offloads was much more there against Wales so considering that context to only limit them to 9 compared to 7 I'd say is a pretty good effort pretty good effort yeah, again, it's one of those things about perception. I just, I think I was expecting the offload. Like you expect it of every yeah. tackle with with Fiji, and it's part of the joy of watching them to to be able to see, like like I say, great big arms that just seem to extend out like inspect a gadget and just you know flick a ball here there, and you weren't seeing that against us, you know. And I, I thought that was. I could definitely see where players are going in to lock the ball 
and you know for me that was a tactic that worked it, it was definitely something that we stopped them playing the game that they wanted to play which you know i think the pressure were, that we put them under probably forced the amount of handling errors that they had because they were definitely not necessarily handling errors not all of them were knock on some of them were you know they were passing the ball behind or the ball was going across the floor and you, do you know what i mean so it takes the momentum out of the attack so and i think that came from this, just the sustained pressure that wales were putting them them under but yeah so let's look forward a, a little bit for both of them so Fiji, I mean, the game everyone wants to see now is Fiji Australia. And yeah. just, I, I think it's a bit harsh on Fiji. Um, you know, they, they play Australia this week, don't they? Yes. They, yeah, right. yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they're two big games of their first, first two games. But I, I, I just hope they come and just destroy Australia. I really do. I, I just Australia are whinging about it already, you know, about how uh, Andrew Brace is refing and he was born in Swansea and this, that, and the other, and you're just like, oh well, <laughs> you know. That 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 gets thrown around a lot. The whole Andrew Brace was born in Wales thing. I've never seen a Welsh team win when Andrew Brace was refereeing. No. I swear, no. I swear, he's refed Welsh derbies and both teams have lost. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a bit like so, Ni- every time Nigel Owens refereed the Scarlets, um, and and he's literally ten minutes down the road. You know, his farm is ten minutes down the road. Some days you can smell the cattle when 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 you're playing, <laughs> and um, yeah, every time he refereed us, we we got absolutely nothing out of him at all. Nothing, and and I think the same with Andrew Brace. He's so conscious that people might say, you know, that there's a bit of favoritism going on there. So he he goes the other way, you know. But yeah, there's only one thing that Andrew Brace cares about, and that's the sound of his own whistle. Uh, <laughs> you said you weren't going to do referees. You said you were. But he's the sl- same for everyone. I will give him credit, right? He's the same for everyone. He is not biased. He. Every game that he referees, he referees it in exactly the same way. So that's all you can ask. So if you're a, <laughs> if you're a team and you know you're going to referee with, you're going to play a game where Andrew Brace is the referee, you know what you're going to get and you can prepare for that. And if you come off on the wrong side of him, it's on you because you should have known what he was going to do. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so parking that to one side, you basically their World Cup final now. Um, I think the tier two nations generally have got a really bum deal with the fixtures. Like, um, obviously you have, because there's five teams per pool, um, one team gets a bye week and in the, in week one, all of the tier one nations played and all the teams that didn't play were tier twos. And then if you look at who's got six day, five day turnarounds, it's all tier twos. And if you look at, um, like Romania's fixture list, I know Romania are in a group of death, but they got Ireland, uh, South Africa, Scotland, and then Tonga last, and then they don't. I don't think they have a break. They've got those four games back to back to back to back. So the fixture lists are unfair. It, you know, it's not it's not random, and uh, I think it, it people do try and do the big teams favors with how the fixture lists are drawn. Unfortunately, we just got to hope. You know, I'm I'm a Fiji fan. Everyone knows I'm a Fiji fan, uh, and 
I hope that they beat Australia. Uh, like I said, I think Australia didn't really have to do much to beat Georgia. I think Georgia shot themselves in the foot. Yeah. I was um, quite disappointed with the, the Georgia forwards in particular. I I was expecting a moustache off during national anthems to begin with. I was expecting them to stand face to face and go, aha, ah, here is my moustache. <laughs> Look at yours. What Sorry. is this? You know? So, so the guy who has the best moustache, I believe I can say his name. Hang on. Gadget Cheer Lads today. Um, he didn't play, sadly. Yeah. So that was the end of that. I spent a lot of time in that game looking at faces and, and going, where's the one with the fancy <laughs> moustache? <laughs> but, yeah, I think I, I was expecting so much more with Georgia, especially with it being like a World Cup. There's been so much expectation around them I was expecting a lot more from them but they did you know they hit Australia quite hard in certain places you know there were some hefty old tackles going in um, and yeah I think the mindset that Fiji have will actually work in their favour I think they'll quite enjoy going into this game to put it right if you know what I mean Fiji got nothing to lose. That's mm. the thing. Fiji is it's it's if they don't win, they've gone home. So they're going to be giving it everything. Mm. Um, whereas Australia won't quite have that mindset. Australia know they've got a second chance, and that might make a difference. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be a hell of a thing to watch. Mm. Well, and they've got Eddie, which you know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> they, they they might he might rest their outside half. <laughs> you know, we'll we'll put a second row in or something. God knows what he's going to do. But yeah, that, I think everybody can now get behind Fiji and and hope for some some proper decent rugby from them. What I what I hope doesn't happen is the referee decisions take over again. You know, and if you do go yeah, back and. It's Andrew Brace, isn't it? Andrew Brace is... Oh, shit, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I thought yeah. I got confused. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> but we, I, I'm hoping that nothing happens to take away from the game, you know, because it then just becomes a referee bash fest. And it's already that's already what it is in England. You know, it's referees are this, referees are that, and all that kind of stuff. And everyone hates England, which they're right. Everyone does hate England. But if you're only just waking up to that now, I've got news for you, boys. <laughs> you know, <laughs> 1987 was the first World Cup and it goes way back beyond there. So, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I just hope that Fiji, I think the problem with Fiji is as Wales, when, when Wales were 15 odd points up, some of the tackles that were coming in from Fiji, particularly when when we were attacking in their 22, were way around the neck. You know, they were swinging arms and all of that kind of stuff. Sanjay took a couple of massive hits. Um, Tompkins just almost got decapitated a couple of times. Uh, Gareth Davis took one round the nut. You know, um, who else got... There was somebody else as well. Thomas Williams, when he came on, he had a high tackle against him. And you can go back and you can look at him and you can go, okay, yeah, maybe. But when Fiji were under pressure, their tackle height went up. They they almost 
forgot the the new style Fiji and went back to classic nineties, just hit anything that moves kind of Fiji. So I hope that they're enough, uh, they're they're in control enough in that Australia game to not have that creep in. Do you know what I mean? And then I think we'll have a good a good game on that one. So let's let's talk Wales team. Let's talk Portugal. Let's talk uh, ourselves because this is Friday, uh, Saturday, five o'clock, isn't it? I think this one is. Is it Saturday five o'clock? And then oh, I had it down earlier as well. Anyway, Portugal. I'll tell you, I've got I've got my own little tracker. Uh, Wales it's... v Portugal uh, Saturday quarter to five. Quarter to five. Okay. So I will say that the Fiji game. Uh, so I wasn't feeling well, so no beers and only half a tube of Pringles for the whole game. <laughs> and you know, I'm just saying that's uh, that was a, a big improvement for me. But I'm surprised that I managed half a box of, of Pringles because normally that would have been a three three tube kind of a game, maybe more. So hoping that Portugal will be easier and given the time of day, yeah, I can see that just being a single tube. Uh, that'll be in the single tube, maybe a couple of beers as well. So let's have a look at our selection. Um, what do you make of the forwards? So we've got De- Debbie Lake in as hooker and captain, uh, Nicky Smith and Dylan Lewis, Shinzer and Jenkins in the second row, and then Lydia Fallatow and Raffle in the back row. What, what do you make of the forwards? Uh, well, the, the story about... Um... Portugal is that the, the pack and things is not their strength. That's not what they're about. They're much more of a, a flair attacking team. So that makes me less nervous about uh, how the scrum might go. I actually think this is going to be quite a scrappy game and I can see a lot of scrums going down and being reset things. I think it might not be that great to watch, but you know, when it's your team, you don't really care about what it's like to watch. Yeah. You just care about winning. So that's okay. Um, so, yeah, I think obviously seeing Shunza play in the second row where he's mostly been used as a six up until now tells you why he was taken. I think it was between him and Plumtree, wasn't it? And obviously Plumtree got the injury mm-hmm. um, next but, to Jenkins. But uh, he played on. second row with Jenkins for a long, long time, all the way up through under 20s. Yeah. And he started in Exeter as um, second row with Jenkins. The first game he played, he was second row and then he moved into the back row. So it's not a new combination and he's more than than capable of playing there. So I've seen a few people saying today, why is Schrinzer in the second row? Because that's that's his natural position. Yeah. That's where he started. So yeah, hey, yeah. sorry, carry on. Yeah, you know, physically, if you look at his profile, he's much more like a second row than a back row. Um and then you got obviously Lydia and Raphael going in there. Fine, nothing really to talk about there. Um, I think Falatel's clearly being played into form. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just like get minutes in him. Same, oh, we'll, we'll come on to the backs in a minute, but I'll, I'll be saying the same thing about Anscombe. It's about getting him fit. Um, so, yeah, so I don't know. We, we should be able to get the upper hand on Portugal in the forwards. Um, obviously, this will be Portugal's first game. Um, but yeah, I can just see it being a bit scrappy. Hopefully, with that relationship in the second row, the lineout goes okay. Um, but I think you know, I'm reminded of all the games back in Gatlin's first era when we'd be playing Tonga or someone, 
and he'd put out a second string team and it would be we'd win but it would be like 15 points to 10 or something so i think yeah. we'll score a little bit more than that but yeah i think it might be a bit rough around the edges shall we say yeah and i think it kind of reflects some of the depth that we we you know we keep telling ourselves that we've got depth but when you bring some of those players in it just it doesn't work um and I think that's like I said. So we've got Thomas Williams starting at nine with Anscombe. And yeah, you know, what happens if Anscombe has a howler? You know, what happens if Anscombe gets injured in the first 10 minutes? I know we've got Costello on the bench, but do you know what I mean? The whole experiment, the whole idea of him coming to the World Cup uh, just goes up in smoke, you know? Um, got half penny at fullback. I think it's probably a good call. I think. With all due respect, this is the kind of level that he's at now. So, well, I don't know. I think I think Lee's got a chance of getting into the first team, as it were, because I think Sanjay made a couple of mistakes in the Fiji game, and you could see he was at, in the final play. Um, mm. You could see he was kneeling down behind the rock. He was clearly done. Yeah, and mm. obviously Lee, when he is fit, it, it is physical attributes are like one of his main things. And I think he's just with the kind of mental rugby, you know, when, when Gallen came out and said, Oh, we made some dumb decisions. I think Lee doesn't make dumb decisions. He always does the right thing. You know, some people call it, you know, he plays safe. I I call it, he doesn't do the wrong thing. Um, So I can see him having a chance of going into the Australia game as the starting um, fullback. Although, to declare my bias, Lee Halfenny has always been my favourite player, so take what I say with a pinch of salt. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think for me, the the talking about playing players into form, I think that's what's happening with the centre partnership as well, Yeah. with Williams and Grady. Um, I think um, Gatland is going to be, after this World Cup, he's going to be looking for a new centre partnership and uh, he's, he's eager to see if this is going to be the one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think Grady has got everything that a man needs to be a, an elite-level rugby player, but I don't think he is an elite rugby player yet. And I think Galland is just thinking, I'm just going to play him until he becomes good. Mm-hmm. And I think Portugal is the kind of opposition where you can do that. Um, and then, obviously, um, Rizamit and Dyer on the wings. Can't go wrong. Yeah. I think it, it, the centres is, and, I, and I've said this consistently for the last two years, George North is not an outside centre. You know, he, he he cannot defend an outside centre. And as much as we try and play George North there and hope that he somehow works out, this is how I defend an outside centre, it's, it's not working. It just isn't working. Even that last minute of the Fiji game, the reason Fiji broke from the halfway line into our 22 is because George North got caught inside. The player went round the outside him and offloaded. And then, you know, at international level, that's 20 metres taken out of you, you're into the 22. Is Mason Grady going to be tested in the same way, you know, against Portugal? I hope he does. I hope I hope they run at him and I hope they they do us a favour and, and kind of challenge him and see, you know, can he 
can he adjust his line? Can he move around that backline? Can he defend at 13? Because I say going forward, the guy is six foot five and sixteen stone, isn't he? Or seventeen stone, something stupid. He's like bigger, that. he's heavier and taller than Jamie Roberts. Yeah. So if you're a if you're Portugal thirteen, you're going on boys, just I'm I'm gonna need help straight away. You're going, you know, I'm gonna have at least one of the back row with me every single time. Otherwise, he's going, yeah, just let there's there's a famous incident from my playing career and it was schoolboys. we used to every christmas we used to play the so the senior team used to play against the old boys and one of our old boys was rob appleyard who'd left a couple of years before and was at the time playing for swansea was on the edge of playing for wales sort of a thing and he was a nutter when he was in school so i i still talk to rob so i still <laughs> you won't want me saying that he, he was a complete nutter and um, so, so we played the game, and off the back of like I was meant to be marking him. He was in the centre, so th- they win the ball off the back of a line out, and Rob's coming full pelt. He goes round the outside of me, and he's running at our outside half. And now our outside half is a tiny little guy called Stevie Mitchell. <laughs> and Mitchell, we just went, nope, there you go, through. And he literally <laughs> stood there and just went, through you go, off you go, Rob. I'm not touching you, mate. And if I was up against Grady, I think I'd be doing something very, very similar to that. Um, yeah. Because I, I wouldn't want to go up against him. You know, you you need. And yeah. so is, is, you know, him and, and, and Williams, Johnny Williams, similar players, you know, and... I think this is why George North is actually starting to work really well with Tompkins because they're very different players. Tompkins does all the work and George North knows how to run a line. He knows how to look for a gap because he's a winger, not a centre. So he knows how to pick a gap. He knows how to run through it. So those two kind of contrast and work really well in attack. With Williams and Grady, we've got two very, very direct players. You know, Um, so... You know, uh, I think or, we know, don't we, that the best the best thirteen to play with Williams is Joe Roberts. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But sadly, he's not there. Um, yeah, I will say though that um, Portugal's captain Appleton, their twelve, is probably when I've watched them, he's the player who stood out most to me. He's a, he's a, a real leader on the pitch, and he won't he won't be scared. He, he'll see it as a as a physical challenge and be like, yeah, run at me, come on, this is what I want. Um, and he's a great player as well. So I, I, if I'm not giving, I'm not encouraging people to gamble, and I'm not giving financial advice. <laughs> My favourite for a Portuguese player to score a try would be Appleton. Okay, okay. So let's quickly just run through the bench then, because like you say earlier, this is where we're vulnerable. So we've got Elias Domachowski, Francis in the front row, Beard, Basham, Gareth Davis, Costello, and Josh Adams. What you, I, I'm expecting uh, Gareth Davis to come on really, really late, and Josh Adams if they come on at all. I, I can see both of those being held back to five minutes ago, if that. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd like to see that front row get a bit more of a run out. In all honesty, uh, and I'd like to see Tane Basham on the pitch. So, yeah, and Costello didn't really get much I- ball on on Saturday. No, Sunday, he, Sunday. he 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 didn't really get much of a much of a chance. I think Gatland wanted to keep Bigger on the pitches because Bigger was clearly injured with his mm. back, 
Um, and uh, but he just he wasn't ready to chuck Sam in. Um, so I'd like to see Sam get decent minutes. Um, hopefully the the team is still a recognisable rugby team at that point. We've not got like scrum house playing on the wing and wingers playing in the centre and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're right. I think um, Josh Adams will be. I don't know if he'll come on. I think uh, I'm not sold on Domachowski. You know, mm-hmm. he 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 didn't stand out to me in the in the warm-ups. Um, obviously, he made a mistake for when Ardry Snyman made that break against um, South Africa. So I, 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 he doesn't fill me. He doesn't give me the warm feeling at the moment. Um, I hope that he does. I hope he proves me wrong. I hope every player that I criticise proves me wrong. But I just, mm. yeah, I can. I, I think you're right. I think we could. We'll probably maybe see this 15 stay on, if not as long as possible, then until the game is like so far beyond Portugal that it doesn't matter. Yeah, I think we've got to be intelligent. With I mean, there are players there, like I say, like like Basham that we haven't seen yet that you know probably deserves a a, a good decent run. Um, hmm. Surprised that he's is, not actually on instead of. Um, is he an eight? Do you think Gatland sees Basham as an eight? Um, he's a bit too small to play eight at international uh, yeah. level, but. He, he certainly got the attitude. He certainly got the mentality of I'm going to run at a brick wall and then dismantle it mm. bit by bit. So, which, you know, I always used to enjoy that bit of just give me the ball and let me run. And if, you, if you are um, analytical to the point of being creepy like me and you plot all of the players' <laughs> weight and height on a scatter graph, yeah. um, and if you do all international number eights, Basham is like over here. Like he is not his physique, his his height and weight is like so far away from every other number eight. And yet, um, he's one of the one of the most effective ball carriers that we've got. Yeah. So it's just it tell it it busts the myth that you need to be big to be a good ball carrier. It's far more I, technique driven. I like the way you say if you were to plot them as as if you haven't. As if you've not spent Hours and hours stay research. Tuned. Stay, stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> There's just whole rafts of stuff waiting to come out. Um, yeah, I think I think it depends who you're playing against. In in all honesty, I wouldn't want to go up against France or New Zealand or Ireland with a small back row. You know, having said that, Basham against England was causing absolute havoc for the ten minutes he was on the pitch. So I think some of it is a mentality thing. Just give me the ball and let me run. And when you can see a bit of a, a tiger running at you, no matter how big you are, you know, you you can see when somebody's just determined to come through you. So you've got to be ready for it. So, yeah, I I, I like him as a player. I like him as a six. I, I, I do. I think he's, if he sticks at six, I think that's where we'll see him in future. Um, but... I wouldn't be surprised to see him at eight. I wouldn't be surprised to see him you, at seven, to be honest. Do you remember, um, this is a completely off topic, but do you remember there was a, a test under Wayne Pivak where he picked the Dragons back row? He picked Basham, Moriarty and Wainwright all together, but they've been playing Basham as a seven, Wainwright as uh, as an eight and Moriarty as a six, but then Pivak sw- swapped them all around. So when yeah, I'm going to have the, <laughs> the Dragons back row 
pick them all together, but I'm going to move them all over. Yeah, there you go. Well. And that will work. And then Yeah. I, th- I think as coaches, we see different things in players. And I think that's always been the issue that we, we see certain players playing in a certain way. And, you know, when you put them into a different format, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, this is, I, I still like having two sevens on the pitch three if you can get away with it I genuinely do simply because against the the smaller sides like Portugal or whatever having that amount of energy and you know Portugal know that if they're not on that ball it's getting turned over and we know that we've got you know a 30% chance of every ruck being turned over then you can set your attack differently so you know, I I do like that against. I I know it doesn't work against every team, but against teams like Portugal, I I would love to see Raffle, Basham, and one other. You know, I put Mason Morgan Grady can in. Play eight. Morgan yeah. can play eight. Yeah, he could. But let's put Mason Grady in at number. Let's put George North in at number eight. Give him a crack. Yeah, see if he gets up. So anyway, that's that's the Portugal game. Let's. Let's do the important bit. Let's do a prediction. What's your what's your score prediction for Wales Portugal? I'm going to go for. I think it will be a crap first half. I can see it being like seven points to six in the first half or something. Do you remember, like against Uruguay last World Cup, something like that. Um, and then we'll pull away uh, in the final quarter because that appears to be the trend. Uh, for these Minnow teams, um, that they they collapse after an hour. Um, so I'm going to go with 31 points to 13 to Wales. The palindromic score, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see you being on the dictionary again. And so I I have this feeling that Portugal are going to come out and much the same as Uruguay did against Ireland. Will after five minutes will be ahead, and I'm still waiting for a screenshot to put on a t-shirt of that um that Uruguay score uh, but Romania. then I sorry Romania so Uruguay was yeah, uh, yeah. stop so, stop the count yeah <laughs> but you know they just come out and throw everything at it for the first 10 minutes and after that it'll start to get a bit easier so I'm, I'm gonna go for a, a biggish score I'm gonna go Wales by 35 but I think it'll be something like 55 20. Like I think I think they they will get tries, particularly in the, the say the start of the first half, start of the second half. We always just seem to start the second half really really poorly. I don't know what happens when we come out. It's it's a bit like we forget that we're still playing rugby. So I, I think Portugal have got opportunities. I think we'll give them opportunities, particularly when the bench comes on. But yeah, fifty five twenty for me seems to be round about where we are so so that's the international stuff done so just before we finish up for tonight there is another game on saturday that is on just before um the wales portugal game so that is scarlets against the barbarians at parker scarlets so anyone going down uh the wales game will be on in the barn after the game and beer will be served at a lukewarm temperature if uh, the last lot was anything to go by. 
but big screen, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it should be quite good. And you, you said you checked today, Hugh, and it's not being streamed. Yeah. It's not being nothing. Yeah. No. Yeah, I asked the Scarlets on Twitter and they replied to me and said, no, it's not being streamed or broadcast anywhere, which is a shame. You'd think, as I was saying to Lee before we started recording, you'd think that the Barbarians would have their own kind of streaming broadcasting arrangement because they, they would be playing games that for entertainment and they've got a YouTube channel, so why don't they put, mm. put every match out there? It's bizarre, to be honest. Um, and we know, as we were discussing, that the Scarlets will be filming the game for their own analysis afterwards. Now, I, I, all I can think is there's some kind of thing with image rights that they decided they didn't want to mess with. Mm. But, well, yeah, it's just a shame. Scarlets signed up last year to this recast um, platform, which basically uses the feeds of the analysis cameras. Um, no commentary. It's It's literally you just watch the game. And they put one pre-season game on there, which I think was Leicester. And yeah. that was it. Never heard it mentioned, never done anything. It's there. You know, you could have all the under-18s games on there. You could have Scarlet East, Scarlet West, because they're all, you know, they're all filmed. Could all be on there. You could put training sessions. I watched sessions. that Leicester game. What, you I remember there, watching right? it. No, what? I watched it on the stream. Yeah, and I did. Le- yeah. 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 And... um. I just remember the the let the commentator the co-coms guy was at one of the Leicester squad players, yeah, and he's one of these a typical English rugby lad, and um, he was going, oh, it's a tremendous effort from the boys, tremendous defence, tremendous effort. They're really the Scarlets aren't getting anywhere around us. Like, oh, the Scarlets have scored, right? Yeah. <laughs> we won that. Did we win the game? We yeah, we game, beat them. We? Yeah, we beat Leicester. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Leicester Leicester won the title that year. In yep. that Farmers League, they call the Premiership. Yeah, and then we decided to not play for the first half of the season, and then only kind of switch on around about Christmas time. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> the opportunity is there, and if they're looking for commentators, you know, me and you yeah, available, we, mate. What here. can I say? Yeah, we will. We we will only cost a couple of tens of thousands of pounds. So just <laughs> yeah. bring us up. I think bring we us cost, up, guys. Uh, they, we cost more than that in in uh, being sued. For swearing. Apologies, and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. There's, yeah. there's a, a on, really... on the Saturday, Lee and Hugh will be commentating, and on the Sunday, Lee and Hugh will be apologizing. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, a really funny one from an Irish podcast where um, one of the guys on the Irish podcast was, uh, he, he was literally taken off a podcast and said, Do you want to come and do commentary? And he said, Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's a grown-up podcast, so there's lots of swearing on it. And they said to him, you, you know you're not allowed. They, they were saying to him, you know you're not allowed to swear. You no. know you're not You're not allowed to swear. I go, yeah, 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 I've been practising not swearing. Are you sure? Oh, fuck yeah. Go, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. <laughs> so he went on the on the thing and literally five minutes in, whichever team it was, it was like his team scored. And he went, yeah, fucking come on. <laughs> and you can just read the comment of his co-commentators going like, no, 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 no. And, he, and they went, ah, shit, sorry, I swore there. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, yeah, you can't even get the apology right without swearing. So, oh, yeah, I could see it being like that. Anyway, so what yeah. were you expecting the Barbarians game? We know Rob Evans is playing. We know Aaron Shingler's playing. We don't really know much else. So the Barbarians have been playing a couple of games against English opposition and they've been going well. So they're, they're 
squad is mostly made up of Australians. So the, I guess the name you might know will be James O'Connor. So Australia A have been playing um, this summer. They've been filling in warm-up games. Tonga played them and I think Portugal played them as well. Um, and it was the, the stat that was going around was that, way, that Australia A had more caps than Australia because um, they had Bernard Foley and James O'Connor and things. So James O'Connor will be playing. Um, he You might remember him from playing outside half for Australia against the Lions in 2013. It's unbelievable. He's still he's still baby faced. He wouldn't believe that it was ten years ago. Um, so I think he'll probably be the most famous player apart from Rob Evans, uh, Haverford West's Rob Evans and Hendy's Aaron Shingler. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, what I, I'm looking forward to is seeing if the Scarlets go full strength because we don't have that many players in the Wales team these days. So we could be. 75% first choice for this game. If we've the, I think it was Simon Thomas tweeted out that um, Plumtree is going to be fit, yeah, and that Ewan Lloyd's going to make his first appearance. Hmm. So you would expect. Do we know if Ken's fit? Um, don't know. I would expect it was a back flare-up, wasn't it? So it's I would expect. Yeah, I would expect him to be if he's not. On the pitch to start with, he'll be on the bench. I would expect. I, I'm expecting to see some of the players that we wouldn't necessarily have seen consistently last year. I mean, there's been a lot of change on within the squad, but there are certain players there, you know, front row and hooker in particular, that we need to nail down the, the second string, if you're with me. Mm. So we, yeah. we know. You know, you've got Wynn Jones, you've got Ken Owens, and Samson. Yeah, hey, we might see Samson Lee back because he was back training at the end of last season. Imagine training. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, we we might see that kind of front row. Imagine turning up to Barbarians game when you're up against (laughs) Wynn Evans, Ken Owens, and (laughs) Samson Lee. And you're like, oh, Jesus, I'm going home, boys. (laughs) Rob yeah. Evans we might have, yeah. <laughs> we might have uh, the new lads, uh Craig um in the second row, Alex Craig in the second row, the Scottish lads. Um may maybe alongside uh a couple of other more established second rows. Um, one of the, the and then, one of the Jones but, boys. Yeah, one of the Jones. Or how many the prices still around? I think they are, aren't they? I so can't remember which one. My spreadsheet where I've got all this written down. There's a spreadsheet. There's always a spreadsheet. spreadsheet. <laughs> Here we go. Locks. Jack Price is still around. Right. Okay. So obviously, Lousy and Fafita are both with Tonga. Yeah. I I have tickets to see Scotland versus Tonga in Nice. Ah. I'm going to wear my Scarlet's hat and I'm going to be cheering on um, Fafita and Lousy. I um, bet I bet you get a photo with them after the game as well. I bet you, if you stand there with a big scarlet flag or something like that, yeah, I bet you'd get a photo with a pair of them after the game. I'm I'm, ta- I'm, I'm taking it. I'm taking it. Yeah, <laughs> stay tuned. Right. So yeah, so we could have uh, Win Jones. We could have Ken Owens if he's fit. If not, it'll be Sean Evans. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can have uh, Samson Lee or Sam Wainwright or Harry O'Connor. Uh, uh, they're all available. Harry um, O'Connor was the one I was thinking that injured last year yeah. needed to come through. Yeah. There you go. go on. Uh, Alex Craig, Morgan Jones or Jack Price. Uh, we could have a back row 
we could have a full strength back row, I suppose, of uh, Dan Davis, Plumtree, and Tuipilotu. Um, and then probably you would see Archie Hughes at scrum half. Mm-hmm. We It's been pretty much said that um, you and Lloyd is going to be playing um, fly half. And then it's a question, I guess, of if John Fox and Scott Williams are, are fit. Hmm. Because Scott Williams was a weird one. He was signed on a one-year contract. That one-year contract ran out. And we haven't heard anything of re-signing or we can assume that there's been an extension because he wasn't on the release list. So yeah. who knows what contract he signed, but he's just happy to well, be that, playing. That would be very bad. Um, that would be very occasion, wouldn't it be? Like, what year is it? John Fox and um, Scott Williams. Yeah, be interesting. Anyway, so yeah, yeah, and then we can have uh, a back three of uh, McNichol, Combier, and Def Evans, who, due to the number of Evanses in my spreadsheet, we don't have just more than one Evans. We've got more than one S Evans. So we've got <laughs> Sh Evans and Stur Evans or Saint Evans, <laughs> depending <laughs> on how you read it. Um, Oh, Rogers is back as well, isn't he? Rogers yeah. is there because he he didn't get taken by Wales and yeah. Matthias and, we haven't spoken about and yeah. Joe Roberts and Hardy. So there you go. Yeah, so Hardy. That, yeah, that could be quite a definitely in the back line. You know, that's a a definite strength in the back. I'm I'm actually just looking forward to Plumtree just turning out in Scarlet's colours and yeah. giving something. So it sounds uh, like presumably, it could. Yeah. yeah, go on. Go I was on. just going to say, can you can you get can you get banned from a preseason game? Uh, yes and no. Um, depends what you do. Yeah, it depends <laughs> who's uh, uh, like who's authorised the game and under what kind of setup. But well, why? Who are I'd you like thinking? To... Well, I just—it's the Scarlet's Lee. We're going to get a red card. <laughs> that's the, that's been the whole thing about this whole like red card palaver in England, mm. like. I've, as a Scarlet's fan, I've got no sympathy for any any fan who's upset yeah. about a red card. Because that's the thing with that whole Tom Curry thing about going over old ground. Mm. I've seen red cards for the Scarlets for exactly that tackle. So when I saw it, I was like, yeah, "That's a red card," yeah. and everyone else is shocked. And I'm like, "You need to, you need to, you need yeah. to watch the Scarlets guys because uh, we pick up one of them yeah. every other week." But we went through the phase of picking them up, and then we actually learned our lesson. And yeah. we we worked out that actually if we keep doing this, we're, we're gonna we're gonna end up with no players. So let's... and then Calamifoni punched Ross Moriarty, which was a mistake on reflection. But <laughs> I just turning point of the season, mate. Turning point of the season because everyone went right. If and Calamifoni was a very level-headed, um, quiet guy, you know. So for him to get wound up. And turn around and punch someone. It was okay. That's you know that's the sign. From for me, you could see the season changed at that point. With the attitude of the players was right. Okay, they're going to try. They, they they were trying to wind us up, and they got to Calamaphony, and it was like right. Everyone kind of went behind the idea of this is what Calamaphony does, and and stepped it up. So yeah, and ultimately. We learned our lesson. If international sides don't, then they'll just spend more time being wound up by people like me on on Twitter, which uh, you know 
I, I'm off work and I've got another week or two off work. So crack on, boys. I, I'm more than happy to, to. I can I can tell you, daytime television is not what it's cracked up to be. I will sit there on Twitter and wind you up about red cards and yellow cards all day long, and it will not make a jot of difference what you call me. So um, yeah, it would be fun. So yeah, that, that barbarians game. Say it's a shame it won't be recorded and played on S4C even on Sunday. You know, it's just yeah. there's nothing there, but it's a shame. But, you know, for those of you who are going, uh, enjoy. Have a good one. Uh, Sunday, I'm I'm taking the other one to university. So uh, I'm going to miss most of the Sunday games. And Saturday will be spent with me going, for crying out loud, I've been telling you for two weeks to put it in a suitcase. Go and put it in a solid <laughs> suitcase. So, uh, yeah, I've got a fun weekend coming up. Have you heard any rumours about ticket sales for this Barbars game? Because uh, if it was getting close, I'd have think I'd have thought we'd have heard if it was high demand. Mm, so that um, makes me worried a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I've heard a lot about I've heard a lot from Ospreys fans and Dragons fans about how poor ticket sales are. I've not actually heard anything out of Scarlets or anything like that. And but we said this when the game was announced, you know. It, it, you just, it's not you're in the middle of the World Cup. It's on a day when Wales are playing. Uh, you you couldn't have put it on at a worse time, you know. Saying to people, come and, and stand in the barn after and watch a big screen. If it had been the Fiji game, maybe, you know, that's, that's, but you're not going to go and stand in the barn. It's, it's not enough to get you to go, do you know what, I'll go and, I'll go and see it. Uh, to watch the game in the bar after so uh, yeah I mean I wouldn't be surprised to see half full if that um, you know uh, you're not you're just not going to get that many people to travel long distances to watch this game so you're entirely relying on um, you know five miles outside Clenetley and best will in the world in the middle of the World Cup, it's just not going to happen. So I hope I'm wrong. You know, don't get me wrong. I, I hope I'm wrong. And there's probably going to be a few people travelling, but nowhere near what we get for a URC game. And, you know, it's it's not like they're playing one of the big French teams or, you know, it's not Leinster. It's not, you know, Australia A. You know, that would have been a better game. So, yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to see, but I can't see massive numbers turning up for this game myself. Mm. Well, Scarlett, if you're listening, send me a free ticket. I'll go. <laughs> you should have said I got, I got offered I'll, free tickets. I'll, I'll, I'll live, I'll live tweet the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could do it on 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 Facebook. You could do a Facebook one. You could uh, uh, like, oh, here's a selfie of me with a game in the background. Yeah. That would be good. Yeah. But yeah. Righto, mate. We are that so uh for those expecting the community game once we'll do them later in the week and um might just be me running through the list of games or me and Hugh or me and Martin. But we'll we'll work them out and we'll put them up before the weekend as well. There were some really good games last week, really big scoring games. Um, there, there was one game that 
I think it was over 80 points. It was something like 50, 30, something like that. You're just like, that's the kind of game you want to go and see. The, the game you you need a pad to write down what the score is, yeah. and you need to be really detailed and stuff. But so yeah, we'll we'll put those out later in the week. And just as a, another one, so you'll find this on YouTube on our YouTube channel, and you will also notice a couple of changes to what we do over the coming weeks. Like I say, we're going to be covering Scarlet's Fever just because it's a nice, cool name that Hugh choose. Um, and we'll be moving over to a platform called the Sports Social Podcast Platform, um, which will make absolutely not a jot of difference to listening to it, except there'll be a couple of adverts at the start. And uh, those adverts just help us to, well, help us to, to buy Martin a, a, a better Wi-Fi system, is I think what we need to do. <laughs> Every time we do this with Martin, he drops out at least three times. But um, so yeah, all, all of those things are coming, and if you listen to the rap podcast as well, then you will know that uh, we're going to do a live uh YouTube live podcast as well. So you'll be very welcome to join us for that. And if you follow us on Twitter as well, you will also know that we are setting up a couple of other podcasts for uh, basically doing what we do for the Scarlets on the Ospreys, Dragons, um, Cardiff. And one that most people, I think, will be more interested in is a Welsh language uh, podcast as well. So that'll all be sitting under the Rap Family banner. Um, so, yeah, the family's growing and, and doing very well. I think that's the end of it, Mark. Uh, Hugh. <laughs> I got all the way through. I've been... <laughs> Two years have uh, been going on, Mart, Mart, Martin, Mart, Mart. I think that's the end of it, Hugh. I think we're done. I don't think I've got anything else that I need to let people know about. So we'll do it all again next week with Martin, hopefully. Um, yeah, good luck for the Portugal game. Enjoy it. Let's hope it's nowhere near as stressful as the Fiji game and you don't have to apologise to anybody after. Um, I will try and limit myself to one tube of Pringles and uh, the world will be a happy place after that, mate. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right, good stuff. All the best, mate. I shall see you again next week and uh, we'll do the same thing again. Enjoy your rugby, bed. You too, mate. Cheers. All the best. listening to this week's show please subscribe and share as it really helps to grow the scarlet's family you can contact us in all the usual social media platforms or on scarletspems at gmail.com join us again next week for more of the same and in the meantime enjoy your rugby sports social podcast network